it's kind of weird. You can't really see my mouth. I'm like uh, that character. Yeah. From, <laughs> that character from uh, the Tim Allen show. Oh yeah, yeah. The guy in the the, the Wilson. Wilson, right? yeah, Wilson. The, the fence. Where you never <laughs> see his mouth. Yeah. Did they ever explain that? Like I don't. It was like an artistic choice, or does he have just like a hideous mouth or something? Like what? Do they have artistic choices on Home Improvement? I I don't know. It's probably a deeper (laughs) show than I gave him credit for. You know, uh, it was a show within a show. I mean, that's pretty deep already, right? I mean, he had the show on the show. It's Hmm. pretty meta. Meta home improvement. <laughs> yes, meta home improvement. I bet there's a podcast about that too. Oh, oh, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. There's a. I didn't realize that there's this whole. I mean, I guess people are just you know running out of shit to make podcasts of. I mean, look at us. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I went. I went to go see uh, the Matrix in theaters. Uh, was a couple weekends ago. And the Matrix, they made a new Matrix. Yeah. No, 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 the original, oh. and they were showing at at Nighthawk Cinema. You know the place where oh, they okay. like bring the food to you and all that. And nice. they're doing this Keanu retrospective, um, because of his John Wick movie that came out or whatever. Ah, makes sense. Know. So anyway, they're they're yeah. going through like uh, his his old movies, and Matrix was the one that weekend. And so I was pretty excited to see it. I don't. I think I saw it in theaters when it came out, but I couldn't really remember. It's been so long. Um, but of course, in preparation for this event, I <laughs> searched on my podcast app Matrix and found a minute by minute podcast where each episode is like, mind you, like 15, 20 minutes of discussion of one minute of the movie. Oh my and God. so, like one like episode is, is one, like, like the first. Yeah, the first one. They start so like, at the beginning, I'm sure. Episode one is like they're talking about the credit scene and how they created the effect with the code. And it's oh, actually the sound effect God. is actually rain that has been, you know, like modified digitally. That's kind and of the, amazing. It is pretty amazing. That's some that's some fan uh, dedication right there. But anyway, I was just kind of thinking about how, like, you know, there's anything on the Internet. And now podcasting has reached this level that there's probably a podcast for anything. So right. maybe after this, we'll check out the uh Tim Allen Home Improvement Podcast. Yes, right. Uh, the people that think that it's like high art. There probably is. Yeah. Like a I'm sure there's a big fan base that thinks it's very sophisticated <laughs> and has all sorts of deeper meaning. I'm skeptical, but maybe. <laughs> so I'm also checking my, my, my phone off and on because uh my sister-in-law is having a baby right now. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> a big deal. Like, as we are podcasting, this is a uh, hot off the special press. episode, I guess. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, hot off the press. Um, it's it's a little, uh, I'm assuming he's not going to listen, but, uh, you know, if he does, it's, you know, personal preference. But I had always thought, you know, just, of course, I can go astray with this, but, you know, seeing TVs or movie, usually when you find out that, like, your immediate family member is, you know, going to the hospital, they're about to give birth, right? The f- what do you do? You drop everything, and you also go to the hospital, mm. and then you're, like, the whole family is there kind of, like, hanging out in the waiting room and, you know, eating shitty candy bars uh, until they, you know, the doctor comes back with, you know, the happy news, 
Right. And uh, so anyway, I kind of planned on doing that, but uh, I messaged him, my brother, and just just to make sure, you know, because sometimes people have different ideas, and just you know, let him know. I'll you know head up there whenever you let me know. And he's like, "Oh, you guys don't have to do that." Oh. And I was like, okay. I mean, it, he said it in a way that was like nice, like, oh, don't go out of your way. But on the other hand, I was like, well, I mean, this is, you know, you're having a kid. It's kind of a big deal. Um, right. But anyway, you know, maybe it's, you know, to each their own. Um, and I think Mary was telling me about how among like new moms or something, there's, uh, it, it seems to be more of a new trend now where the parents they just kind of go off they do their own thing by themselves and then they go back home and then you know maybe they invite people over like i don't know that night or the next day Uh, but um there's no actual waiting around in the hospital but anyway all that to say you know i feel kind of like guilty here just going about my regular life while Uh, she's in labor i feel like i'm you know am i a bad sibling like i should be there but you know i asked him and and he said no um we don't need to do that um, so there you so, go. Yeah. You should. Uh, yeah. Your absolve conscience myself. is free. Yeah, right. Exactly. Absolve yourself. <laughs> Dis disabuse yeah. yourself of the that. Right. So anyway, uh, what should we talk about? <laughs> I mean, yeah. we've been chit chatting, but right, uh, right, I don't right. know. Uh, um, I think. Have you read anything interesting lately? So we we kind of floated the idea of oh well, maybe we could like listen yeah. to the same audiobook. I don't know if it would be boring to other people to have kind of like a, a book report podcast. Right, but. yeah. <laughs> a podcast where you have homework. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I, I did, I mean, I had thought about this. I think, you know, recently I've read about uh, about AI and listened to, um, listened and read about um, AI making music. So like music Ooh. that's produced by robots or machines and um, generated that way, and mm-hmm. somebody posted in. Uh, I part of a bunch of Facebook groups uh, called this like which one is this? The shit posting of jazz to come is one of them, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and it's basically like just bad memes of like inside jazz jokes about like John Coltrane and giant steps and like just and the lick and like anyway but but somebody posted a link to this actually kind of serious uh article or just blog that had a that was talking about uh how they created this free jazz simulator AI and it's uh it wow. was a live stream. Like when I clicked on it, it I was like, "How long is this?" And I'm like, "No, it's just going." Like infinite it's just, jazz. They're just making jazz, and it's you know, and, wow. and that could be a nightmare for some people, right? Or a In the human ex- achievement. Yeah, exactly. Well, and and you know, the article was titled something like, you know, uh, com- computers or robots have created jazz, and it's it's terrifying or something. And it does sound Uh like it's very chaotic. It sounds like, um, free jazz to the nth degree, like just very like polytonal and just like not really cohesive at all. Um, but it's definitely jazz. Like you can tell that it's in a jazz style. I think it's in a free jazz style and it's, um, 
uh, you know, I can't, I was listening to, I listened to it for a while cause I wanted to hear if like, I could tell if there was any, like, I don't know, loop or like, uh, indications like of syncopation well, or, or like just, familiar I, jazz tropes. Could be that. Yeah. Or any indication that like it was on some sort of cycle. Like I wanted to hear if I could see oh. if I could tell that like it was going to like start over Reusing. or regenerate. I don't know how the algorithm works. I, I, I. I guess right. that's that would be pretty elementary, but in my mind, I was like, I wonder if you know if this is a live stream, how it just keeps spitting it out, and maybe it's doing variations. Even if it does recycle, right. it might modify uh, what it previously did. Yeah, and it, I don't know. It was just really interesting. And then I I looked into other. There's been a lot of like AI um, supported music. Not a lot, but there has been since, I don't know, probably five years ago or maybe longer. Oh, really? Uh, where, yeah, where, like, a musical artist will, like, write the lyrics. Like, I listen to some songs. It's, like, whole albums, at least one, that's, like, that's AI-generated music, but the lyrics were written by a songwriter, and, like, there was... And they explain sort of how they put in the algorithm. So they give it, like, a you know, a tempo and a meter and a mood and a tonality, uh-huh. probably the, the basic like building blocks, some, some guardrails. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, I think the form, um, and the, and the style for sure. I wish I could see beyond what I can see. I wish I could touch beyond what I can touch I wish I could feel beyond what isn't real I wish I could imagine imagine yeah there's more to who we There's one really, the one that was most haunting to me was uh, they had uh, a bot that they fed. They made it listen to uh, all Christmas music and then had it come up with its own Christmas song. And it's... That sounds cool and terrifying. It's cool and disturbing at the same time (laughs) because it's this weird, like, tonally, it's very, like... Been there for the rest of our lives. A hundred and 
It's very bizarre. It's, you think you know where it's going to go, and then it'll just make these weird harmonic detours. Ooh, weird. I think beca- probably because in a lot of Christmas music, like there are those interesting like um, variations, uh, borrowed chords, and things that give it that like bright uh, sound. A lot of like like uh, sort of Lydian sounding like Neapolitan chords, and I don't know. There's there's I don't like know what Lydian is. Different, like a sharp four, <laughs> like a playing a C major scale, but you throw in an F sharp, like mm-hmm. giving it that sort of that um, I don't know fresh quality and a little bit of like a that upbeat thing. It's almost like major mm-hmm. plus. It's like more happy than major. Like if you think of right. major as happy and minor as sad, which I don't really. Okay, but... yeah. Moving on to mode four, we have the Lydian mode. So this is just a major scale with a sharp 4. Or the G major scale beginning and ending on C. Exactly the same thing. This mode has a very bright sound and it's used in quite a lot of TV shows and film music. That's just one example of the Lydian mode used in a popular theme song. So some characteristic chords of the Lydian sound would be the major 1 chord and the major 2 chord. Anyway, um, oh, and then what that got me thinking about was like how so much of the philosophy of music teaching and music in like our culture is about music is like this inherently human art form and we're like the only ones that do it, even though there's like bird songs and Mm -hmm. like other, you know, et cetera, et cetera, whale. Right. But But no, no one is driving down the road jamming out to bird songs. I I don't know. I have a, there's a, uh, I mean, you might be meditating to bird songs. I guess guess that's true. There's a, uh, one of my, professors in undergrad was was a composer and her one of her main focuses as a composer was analyzing and uh incorporating bird songs into her music which Hmm. was fascinating she's a classical composer modern classical but anyway you know what's while we're still on the bird song thing i just thought of something that's uh might be getting like too I don't know, brainy, but when I, I, I've read a lot about language and uh, comparing different animals and the type of linguistic attributes that they have, like bees can communicate direction um, and, you know, uh, rhesus monkeys have different calls. The, if it's a, if it's an eagle or a cheetah coming, you can run up or down uh, depending on where you are in the tree and stuff like this. So they have uh, like specificity, um, time, like being able to communicate time is another aspect. And so there's like seven or eight like pillars that all combine to form human language and certain animals, they possess the ability of one or maybe two of them, but nobody except for humans have all of the pieces. Ah, And, um, 
I don't know. I haven't studied music, uh, you know, t- as much as you have, obviously. But when we talk about bird song or whale song mm. or something like that, I think of uh, one of the attributes to language is being able to uh, break the rules and modify and transform stuff so you know the rhesus monkeys that have a specific call that means oh my god there's a cheetah coming or oh my god there's an eagle coming like that's equivalent to like yelling out a word but if you're incapable of ever using that word in another context or creating Ah. a new word then is it really language and i think the same thing i could say about bird song is sure they have these beautiful songs but you know, has there ever been a classical era of bird song or a rock and roll well, era I mean, of bird song? I, I mean, it would probably be, have to be. It would probably follow evolution. I mean, it, it's all very practical. I think it's because it's all um, well practical versus art. So I'm well, yeah, it's utilitarian. For art, yeah, right, you, right, right. You'd need to possess the ability to to modify and to, uh, if not improvise, at least create you know, something different that doesn't follow the rules. And I don't right. think animals, I don't think they have that ability. Probably not. Probably not. But it, as but far it, as we know, maybe we just need to record more. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. But uh, anyway, yeah, with the AI thing, it just got me thinking about, about that. And like the, the researchers that were working on it originally uh, in the, in the articles that I read, I think there was a particular company that was, trying to generate, you know, uh, get AI to generate instrumental music. And I, I think it was um, for the purpose of basically like jingles or background music for, you know, low budget or industrial oh. film kind of things where they don't want to... Shit that a musician would not want to do. Yeah, and they don't have the money to support, but they also don't want to have to deal with royalties or, you know... Something like Beyond, because there's a bunch of royalty-free crap that you can get, but that's like so generic, um, yeah. generally. And then it's like it would be really cool, like from a practical sense, to be able to like have an app that you could program, you know, all the attributes that you would want in your song, and have the app just make you a new song that like includes all that mm. stuff. You know, like yeah, that'd be really cool from a practical perspective and like bringing music to the masses and like, yeah, just you could even hire a musician to sort of man the controls, so to speak. I you imagine could. if you hire someone who is, you know, a composer um, and they know like what levers to pull in right. order to get the best results, you know, in the programming, um, like you mean in the, the programming on the front yeah. end, yeah, right, 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 yeah, exactly, um, yeah, definitely, and I think. But it's also like, well, where does that leave us as musicians and music educators or like, I don't know, it's it's a very, it's exciting. And then it's also like, yeah, it's just sort of, uh, it's becoming a receding uh, mm-hmm. area of expertise that teachers have or, you know, t- uh, I guess in, in music. Uh, well, I think... I mean, this is just an assumption, but I think that humans will always have this urge to create. And if you grow up and you want to paint or you want to play an instrument or something, there will be people who want to do this and there will always be a need for someone to teach how to do that. 
And, you know, even though a machine might be able to generate some stuff, there is still the pleasure in it of itself of creating it. Yeah. You know, like, for example, um, you know, CDs or whatever, recorded music did not replace the concert. People love to go to concerts to experience it directly or, you know... I can listen to a recording of a song, but I love to, you know, play it myself even. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. I get it. Yeah. And it's like, but on the, on the flip side, you know, uh, CDs have largely been replaced by streaming. I mean, the. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm, but they haven't replaced humans. Right. Right. No, I get that. I get that. So it's like on the, on the side of, there's still like sort of a line in the sand is I'm thinking like sort of Battlestar Galactica style, like it, uh-huh. once we get you know, uh, um, to the point where it's not where it, we can't distinguish between a machine generated yeah. song and a song live, you know, recorded by a human or written by a human. It's like that's it's like the singularity for music. It's like. <laughs> Totally. I think that, um, you know, it's, there's, it's hard to, uh, to argue or figure out where it's going to go. But my, my perspective is if you look at other technologies in terms of like taking over something that humans typically do, whether that be, you know, the typical, they took our jobs argument or replacing some pleasure, uh, you know, like I know people talk about self-driving cars is like, but I love driving. It would be horrible if robots did the driving for me. I'm sure someone might've said that about horses too. Sure. Sure. Um, I think that for whatever technological advancement there is, it might subtract something, but in one way or another, it also adds something. Oh yeah, totally. And we just can't really foresee what it's going to add. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe you, you have some software spit out, you know, a completely composed piece of music, and then you use that as the stem to, you know, do a mashup and Absolutely. create your own piece. Yeah, and Who I'm, all, and I'm yeah. all for it. Like, I'm not, it's, it's interesting, though, like, because in, in like, the philosophy and the base, basically the justification on, mm-hmm. in the sort of the music educator lobby, the, it, the national organizations and, like, the it's all about like music for music's sake and like I don't know it's just interesting some of the I feel like it's gonna end up changing some of the arguments uh, that people make that music educators make but a lot of those arguments I didn't value arguments what like, like value arguments yeah like and a lot of those arguments of I didn't like to begin with so I'm happy that they'll get changed it's like I don't I don't, I'm not, there, there's people in the field that think that like music has this like unique thing that's just like nothing else can fulfill and I'm not that way about it. I'm just like, yeah, it's a thing, it's a valuable thing in and of itself, but it's not like this like diamond in the rough that like just nothing else will compare. Like it's just, right. it, 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 it's, it reminds me of the, like the God of the Gaps argument, um, in what is it's like the god of the gaps is like one of the in apologetics uh it could be of any faith but the idea of like of of saying well you know we still don't understand how uh what's a common one how how, you know how 
exactly how the Big Bang happened. And so, therefore, that part that we don't understand, that's God. Like, we'll explain it with God. Like, oh, and right. So then to the God kind of, of fill in the blank. To fill in the gap. And so the, the God gap, of the gap is, like, the concept is it just becomes an ever-receding uh, focus, an ever-receding actual uh, um, The gap is getting role. smaller. Yeah, yeah, because the more that we figure out, the more that we can explain, the less of a right. role there is for this Like we used to have a... You look at the the Greeks, I think are, uh, the mythology is a perfect example of so many gaps. You right, know, there's right. there an entire god f- just for thunder, yeah. you know? They had no idea um, how that worked, yeah. The more, and yeah, like what you're saying, the more questions we answer, the fewer gods we need. <laughs> right, well, yeah, basically. Was I thinking, oh, the, gosh, there was a phrase that I learned in looking at this stuff that, now I can't remember, but it was something about the valley, there's a, there's a phenomenon. The uncanny valley. Yes, uncanny valley, thank you. I've read about that too, yeah. Yes, that's what it was, and I couldn't remember the name of it, mm. but that's cool. So if I... In, can interject uh, the definition. Yes. It's um, basically there's this uh, kind of level of um, polish that you can put on something fake that is so good that it, it almost comes alive. So one example is, you know, like the the Tussaud Wax Museum. Right. You know, it, those pieces, some of them can be like so well done that it for a second looks like an actual person in terms of like robotics, um, you know, like Commander Data in Star Trek mm. is yeah. um, you can you can tell that he's a robot because of his, you know, odd skin tone and all of that. But through the different episodes and the journeys they go on together and the friendship that they form, you kind of start to forget from time to time that he is a robot. Right. You know, inevitably there's some sort of line that he'll deliver that clearly, you know, he's an android. But um, those moments where you forget that he's an android and you think that he's just another human, that is the uncanny valley, which I guess could also happen in like generative music. And yeah. I was, I was going to mention that, I think, when you're talking about the Christmas music. I wondered if there's any moment where you're like, oh, yeah, I think I've heard this song, but I can't put a name on it. Definitely. I think so. Yeah. And I mean, I that the other part of the Uncanny Valley that I was reading about, and I don't know if this is true of every, uh, I don't know if you can use it in different contexts. I'm sure it means different things. But there was something about, like, the, uh, where, where you, your aesthetically humans have a tendency to like and appreciate uh, robots or things that look like robots and when they get more human-like features or even like animals, the more uh-huh. human-like they are. But then there's like this point at which they become too close to being human and it's like that. that's like where it's uncanny and then it like drops off where it's like, then it becomes mm-hmm. creepy or it becomes, they no longer like value right. it. I don't know. Am I getting that right? Like Do you know Westworld. what I'm talking about? Right. 
Yes. Yeah. No. And, exactly. And yeah. So, that's so a, there's. I guess that that was like the valley that I, that was the, how that phrase stuck in my head about. Yeah, and I I um actually, this is years ago, but I was working at this design agency called Fjord, and they give you a lot of free time to like tinker with new technology, and this was when Alexa had just come out, and so we were talking about uh, voice technology. And uh, they had me and another designer do some research and play around with it and uh, try and write a few like guiding principles for anyone in the future who wants to design these type of voice interactions. And I remember I was, I mean, I can't take, you know, really most of the credit because uh, it came from this book that I was reading um, and I need to find the title. It was something about like, it was a design book about lessons from science fiction and it's pretty cool i think even non-designers would be interested in it you can flip through and look at um examples of audio interfaces in science fiction you know like the you know the spaceship when it's like self-destructing in five minutes and you know um and then they have you know examples of robots like my example with star trek and commander data and and anyway they have different uses of technology in sci-fi and what we can learn from that in today's world. Anyway, all that come to say that one of our lessons that we learned was when designing a voice type of interface, you actually want to avoid the uncanny valley because you uh, get into challenges with using it. If you were to create a the perfect robot voice that you could not tell if it was like a human on the phone, which right. I think... Google did they've, this creepy demonstration. Yeah, where, right. Yeah, yeah, they've done that. Um, it's cool to to experience like, oh, wow, that sounds, you know, so real. Like, it's interesting to marvel at. But in terms of using it, it it uh, you shoot yourself in the foot as a designer because the people using it will assume it is as smart as a human. Ah. You will, you will, you will start to ask it things that it is not capable of answering because its voice is of such high quality that you you start to make assumptions, you know, because humans, we save a lot of our brain power by stereotyping and sure. putting things into buckets. And so if you have, you know, this tin can in your living room that talks exactly like there's a person inside, you're going to start to ask it stuff like, hey, do I need a jacket today? Or, um, y- you know, s- stuff like that, where, you know, is an example of asking about the weather. Right. It's, it's, it's going to come back to you like, bloop, bloop, I don't know what you mean. Um, so yeah. anyway, where was I going on with that? Basically you almost want to make your robot sound like a robot in order for people to have a good successful experience. If it yeah. sounds like a robot, then I'm going to ask it robotic questions. I'm going to be like, you know, robot, tell me what is the temperature today? And it is totally fine answering that question. Right. But if I, if I start asking it, you know, Hey, does it seem like I need a jacket? Or should I wear shorts today? Then yeah. it's going to have no clue what the hell I'm talking about. And I'm going to have a bad experience. The robot doesn't care. Right. And I'm going to probably return it back to the store. <laughs> and do you think, I mean, because I think that, and that is a good example, because I think that kind of uh, colloquialism or just um, very like human style of communication uh, where mm-hmm. you have to kind of read between the lines about what you're talking about and not be so literal in some cases. I feel like that they've made a lot of improvements in in like Siri or Alexa to be able to handle that. Is that 
have I got that right or no? Have you yeah. been able to like close that gap a little bit? They they are closing the gap. So uh, yeah, it is true that you you will be able to ask it more natural questions. You know, the longer this technology is out there, um, and you know, then at that point maybe it's appropriate to scale up the fidelity. Of I guess that's what I was. Voice. Yeah, thinking it about, should be hand in hand. Are they, yeah, I, I guess they would go together. I don't have like I'm trying to think of a good example, but if you were to think of like a visual interface, like if you're using software, if you're using Microsoft Word or or your browser or whatever, and it's got a little buttons across the top that they do different things. If you were to design the software to look like it had a bunch of other buttons or like there's a little corner of the page that maybe right. you could flip and you go to click on that and then nothing happens that would lead to disappointment <laughs> because you, you've been misled it's like yeah. oh this looks like a button and so why doesn't it act like one? Oh my gosh right yeah and that's the same thing that i was talking about with the voice is like yeah. oh it sounds like a human why can't i ask it a colloquial thing like should i wear shorts today now, sure, maybe it will eventually be able to address those questions in the same way that software keeps getting better. And you can, like, you know, on the iPad, uh, the iBooks app, you can drag the corner of the page and turn the page. So then that would be a good time to to design that drawing right, of right. the little, like, paper. Yeah. It's they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. But basically, you don't want to get ahead of yourself. You don't want to overpromise. And like I've seen some cool YouTube videos of like androids now with like realistic human flesh and like right. eyebrows and stuff. Um, and that's kind of a cool proof of concept. Like, oh, we can have these Westworld robots very right. soon. But I think you have to you have to deliver on what's behind the skin. Yeah. Because if you were to sell that robot, you know, that looks like a person and it really can only tell you the weather and what time of day it is, <laughs> that would be really annoying. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, it's yeah. sort of, I mean, that was some of the criticism of like, what, like the original Apple Watch, uh, I want to say. Like some, maybe that's a bad example, but I just remember when it first came out, there was and I don't even remember what the features were, but there were definitely, like, there was talk about, like, features that would eventually be on it, and it could do, or, yeah, and maybe this was all just, like, tech speculation that I was reading, but, like, there was, one of the criticisms of, I think, the original one was just that it was so basic, like, it could do things, but not, like, that it many only things like <laughs> it only gave me notifications right i mean you like, had the i original, had the right? first one yeah, yeah the original well, one you tell me about it because i i didn't get it until the third generation i think i mean i didn't go out and buy it i i won it as a prize actually um but i was still excited to have it and sure. i just kind of thought like oh cool i can like um i can text from it maybe or i'll like talk to it and be like hey you know tell so-and-so that I'm coming home, which I guess Siri can do that part, but um, right. it wasn't very good at the transcoding. And um, honestly, I don't know what I expected, but I definitely expected more than what I got. In yeah. reality, all it was was that, and I'm holding my phone up to the screen, but it's like all it was was like this first like notification screen when you click open your phone right. and you see the notification panel that's literally pretty much all the watch was. Right. 
Yeah. And I know some people that, you know, they design like a few games and stuff that kind of like as a gimmick that you could play with, but um, I never really used that. And so really it was just like all my notifications, so I didn't have to grab my phone. And that was pretty cool. <laughs> but, um, right. Yeah, it's just, it's interesting. And there's, there's an, I, ad, yeah. I remember going out to dinner with, with Mary, like the first or second day that I had it. And I was giving her this pitch about how like, oh, this is so cool. You know, it's really like, it's nice. And it actually helps me like step away from technology. Like I'm not checking my phone as much. <laughs> and then, you know what happened throughout the dinner i was like my my watch was buzzing all the time and i'm like looking at it and she's right. like you're checking it more exactly. <laughs> than you were before that's the thing it's like right yeah. um i'm gonna keep everything recording so i don't have to resynchronize this but i want to take an intermission so sure. i can have a bathroom break okay you can turn on the air conditioner if you need <laughs> okay cool So, um, oh, Alexa, turn off air conditioner. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) Yeah, but then when the robots take over, what are they going to do? I was having this conversation with Mary. Mary says we will be the first to go. Yeah, right, exactly. But I, I argued that, no, you know what? Maybe they will appreciate how nice I've been to them. Right, but it's sort of like, yeah, but you, you know, used me. As That's a slave, true. it doesn't matter how how nice you are. I try to be polite about it. Mary calls her a bitch and all this stuff <laughs> all the time. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, there's yeah. definitely a, a spectrum, a moral landscape. Like, turn off the lights, you bitch. For, oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, my God. That's... And I'm like, be nice. <laughs> Wow. Which uncanny valley? There you go. Like obviously it's a robot, but I right. genuinely feel like kind of bad saying that. <laughs> well, especially when if you give it an, I mean, you say computer, right? Or do you say? I I use Alexa. You do Alexa, okay? I I did do computer for a little while, um, because it's a funny like Star Trek reference, but oh, okay. I don't know. It just seemed like a mouthful to say over and over. Isn't it the same amount of syllables? Computer. Blah, 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 blah. Alexa. I mean, it's the same number of syllables. Yeah, it's three syllables each, right? Yeah. It just feels like more work because there's more consonants, I guess. In I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it <laughs> feels less natural. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I don't think I... I think I messaged you possibly that I was on jury duty. Did I tell you that? Uh, We when were... We oh, when it. we had, when we had uh, Pride Brunch. We were That's right. chatting. We, about it. we were yelling about that over our right. loud brunch. Over the brunch, yes. The, <laughs> yeah, yes. yeah. Um, well, it ended. So, and oh, so you finished. I finished, and I am free to talk about it. I have Ooh. Been, the veil has been lifted. So, so that's do the tell. other thing. Well, I don't. All you told me was that you were on the jury, like you made it through the selection, so you were actually right. in the case. Yes. And I don't even remember, I think you said it was a criminal case? Yes, it's a criminal case. This oh, wow. is good. Tell You're... me anything else you remember, because I want to, um, that'll, that'll prove that I didn't uh, break my oath to be, uh, oh yeah, no, I just remember your details. So <laughs> you were saying that it's it's at the, the like the main, uh, like, 
totally blanking on the name, but it's, you know, the main, the Supreme Court, yes. right, in Manhattan, right. which is downtown Brooklyn and... Um, downtown Manhattan. And that yeah. you saw, or you think you saw um, a famous person, like, exiting oh, yeah. or entering right. when, when you were exiting. Yeah, Paul Manafort was, yeah. I didn't get to see him, but I heard that he had, that he... Oh, you, that he was, like, there at the same time. It, it was general very, time you were yeah, there just right before i was there they were talking about it people just like people on the street were like talking about it i was like oh that's cool yeah yeah uh, yeah that's so cool so all, yeah. all i remember was yeah i was hoping that you would tell me more yeah. um, so i'm glad it's done i've never actually served through an entire case but um i was you know talking about my jury duty woes and how they <clears throat> they made me wait for a long time and then they finally brought me to this back room with like the finalists, if we're going to use a game show metaphor. <laughs> and, um, and so I was there with, you know, like, I don't remember, 15 or 20 other people. And the two lawyers took turns asking us questions like, have you ever in, this is like this old Jewish guy and I can't do the voice, but whatever. He's like, have you ever interacted with a police officer or a lawyer? And it's like, yes. And it's like, do you have a good connotation when you think of police officers? Right. <laughs> and, and, and I'm like, uh, I mean, I guess, I don't know. I've only gotten speeding tickets. Anyway, they would run through like a million of those types of questions right. with everyone there to try and get a sense of who has a bias of what yeah. our case he didn't say what it was yet, but he said it had to do with a lawsuit and one person was a civilian and another person worked for the fire department. So ah. it was a case filed against the fire department. And uh, so that's why he was asking those questions about like firefighters and yeah, police officers sense. and stuff. Sounds like a civil and then, case. Yeah, 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 it was a civil case. And um, and finally, um, I was picked as the um, final finalist, one of four jurors. Wow. They didn't pick the whole pool up front because i don't this guy took forever to ask his questions <laughs> and he would crack all these lame jokes in between but uh so he's like okay you're done for the day come back tomorrow and we're gonna pick the rest of the jury and i mean while on one hand i'm glad to get out of work i was actually finally doing something interesting at work oh no <laughs> um sorry employer <laughs> i was finally doing something interesting and at the same time yeah i had this jury duty so i didn't want to be there Normally, I'd be fine just reading a book. Uh, I get there the second day, and I'm sitting there for a couple of hours, and then finally someone comes out and says, Dismissed. We don't need you anymore. We're going to start all over again. They threw out the jury selection. Wow. I, I guess the guy annoyed them enough. I don't know. And so they're going to start over. So <laughs> that was my only... That's as far as I've gotten in wow. the the jury thing. And then they just let you go. They made they me, they made me come back the, the second day. But, and but just that, wait around to hear nothing. Oh, oh no! Okay. After that, nothing. They're just like you're. You've served your your requirement, and okay, right, right, cool. And then you get yeah, it's like four years or something for I think that you don't have to. Yeah, I think serve. I'm good for like yeah, six years maybe. I don't know. Oh, it might be six. Yeah. Um. Yeah, they told us we're good for eight years. Gonna have to go back for another eight years because oh, of cool. how long. The case was if it like if there's some cutoff if it's over seven days or ten days or something then it then it then it gets the long thing. So yeah, that was my kind of like onerous jury duty experience, and I guess the the kind of 
the the moral of my story is if you're going to put me through all that pain at least give me the reward of like a juicy trial <laughs> to <laughs> right. to witness but well, i don't know yeah. maybe maybe it's maybe it's pretty boring so uh t- tell me about what yeah. was your jury duty experience like were you nervous when you found out that they picked you to be on the jury good question no i was excited actually um i was trying to get on the jury <laughs> mm-hmm. which yeah, is yeah. apparently kind of rare um most people are like, let's get out of this. But I was just excited because it was the last week of school and I thought that I could miss a couple days of school for it. And yeah. it turned out that because I got chosen for the jury, I missed less days of school than I would have if I had not been chosen because then I would have had to come back the next day. But they gave us two days off, which were my last two days of school. Um, oh, okay. Because they had to pick the rest of the jury. And right. so I would have, anyway, but that's neither here nor there. It was a long trial. It was like three or four weeks, four really? weeks, if four weeks, if you include the almost a full week of deliberations that we had. And that was, I mean, I feel like I just want to talk about that because that was, I well, think the most interesting. What's the story? Okay. I'm trying what, to, what is the, what is the right, case? The case. I'm trying to think of, so basically three separate incidents involving shootings uh, at nightclubs. So they were attempted murder charges were the biggest charges. And there were 19 total counts um, that the defendant was charged with, but a lot of them were connected to the attempted murder charges. Um, Hmm. They were like lower level things. It was because, you know, they sort of throw the book at, at the defendant in terms of like, okay, if we can't get a guilty verdict on attempted murder, maybe we'll get it for assault with a deadly weapon or something. Like, I don't, I, that's not a good example because I think that, but, but, uh, but yeah. So the three incidents happened over the course of about four months and kind of a long time ago. And it was really like, there was a lot of elements of this that that are like, this is right out of, it was a juicy trial. When you say shootings, was it murders? Nobody got killed, um, but people got, in two out of the three incidences, people got shot. Yes. Right. Wow. But it wasn't, uh, there wasn't like, a, it, uh, nobody was like critically wounded, like they could have died. I mean, they could have died if they just ignored it and went about their life, but you know. Um, Right, right, right. Generally, they were going to survive. So, yeah, it was... That part of it was, you know, kind of intense and um, obviously serious. And then there were parts of it that were just like, you can't make this stuff up. Like the names of the... Some of the names of the witnesses. It's like I'm talking and I'm like thinking about, you know, we can redact perhaps some of this, right? If we have to. Uh, yeah, if you tell me what pieces, you know, like definitely have to be redacted. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, there's, none of it I have, has I have, to a, be I have a sliding scale of things that like would be bad, and then there are things that like no one's listening to this podcast anyway, right. and I just leave it in. <laughs> I, I think that we should redact the part unless about... you would be in legal jeopardy. No, it's only <laughs> I was just thinking about this. Only the part about me saying that be known for that. Oh, I see. Just because it was a pub, it's a public yep. trial, you know, and it's like someone can look you up, and be like, "Oh, this asshole." Well, yeah, mm. 
and actually the defendant, not that I think he's going to like go after me, but like it yeah. was a little like, like when we first went out there then for the, to give the verdict, there was like six, possibly six or seven cops standing up this time, all in like a semicircle around the defendant. Huh, why? I, I mean, I guess because you don't know how someone's going to react to hearing that they might be guilty of these really serious charges. and That's true, yeah. And if, you know, and he's, he's, uh, and we did find him guilty of, of the attempted murder charges we ended up finding. So what did he do? Finding him guilty of yeah. all of them. Uh, he tried to murder someone. It wasn't, well, that's the thing that's, Annoying. Like can you can you give the like the backstory? It sounds like attempted murder, but just I'll give the legal explanation first, and then I'll say the backstory. Like according to the law, as it was described to us by the judge, anytime you are with a gun, a loaded firearm, and you fire it with, uh, even if you intent. With with intent, I mean, intent was a big part of it, but even if, you know, it can't be proven that you were trying to hit anyone, um, if it if it's close to people and you clearly intended to discharge the gun at all, it wasn't just a random, uh, mm-hmm. you know, then you can be charged with attempted murder. So there doesn't need to be, like, premeditation or even a target. There doesn't need to be a specific person that you're aiming at, which I was kind of surprised about because I'm like, huh. I'm like, so you could be at like a barbecue and you're like, yeah, I'm going to shoot my pistol into well, the sky, into the sky. And then that now that's right. We probably spent probably more than two hours discussing this oh. in the deliberation <laughs> room. But, but basically my understanding of it is what we came to the determination of is, yeah, if the defendant had in any of these instances, clearly been yeah shooting it either in the sky or at the ground where there's just no like reasonable explanation that he was aiming at anyone then we would have that would have definitely impacted the decision but in this case even in in the first uh in the first shooting uh where he doesn't hit anybody i was arguing that he it looks like he's just sort of firing warning shots. He's just kind of like firing just to like freak people out. Um uh-huh. because his aim is not at a particular person. And so anyway, but in terms of the actual incidences, it's basically long story short, this guy uh has some friends and they like to go to nightclubs and uh they're all either in the field of nightclub security or adjacent to the field of nightclub security. So some of his friends are bouncers. Mm -hmm. So he knows some of the people working at the nightclubs. And, um, and in the first instance, he, uh, had a friend that was with him that got punched by one of the security personnel working there, uh, just like sucker punched. And it was on video. I mean, they had security, footage of it. Oh, wow. And so then he and his friend, the defendant and his friend ran off for a few minutes and then came back and uh and the defendant ended up shooting uh 
a weapon, a gun, two times. Uh-huh. And it didn't hit anybody, but it was clearly in the direction of people, and uh, and it was clearly him. And, you know, but we found him guilty, on, and his DNA was on the gun. But the gun wasn't recovered until the third uh, instance. So there's three separate uh, huh. incidents. And so then, like a month later, maybe, he was so at... He's, he's pretty, uh, pretty, you know open about using his gun well, multiple times, I guess. I guess, yeah. I mean, so like a month later, he was at a totally separate nightclub in a different part of the city and um, and was charged with um, attempted murder and attempted robbery, which we found him not guilty for because there wasn't enough clear evidence that that was the intent. Um, it's unclear if he even really knew them very well at all, but they were at they were all at this nightclub together or at the same time, not, they didn't come together, but then, um, he was in a van. The defendant was in a van that kind of bumped up against this other vehicle and they got out and words were exchanged and they kind of got into a bit. It, it turned into a physical altercation and he shot someone basically long story short. Wow. And then, um, and then the third instance which is when they actually were able to recover the gun because up until that point they didn't uh, have a, a weapon. Um, in the third instance, which I think it was two or three months later at yet again a third separate nightclub in yet another part of the city, um, <laughs> he, um, <laughs> he it's somewhat similar to the first instance, uh, there was some scuffle with the security and he fired at some of the security personnel and that one was caught on video. The only one not caught on video was the second one. And that was the one that we spent an entire extra day on because there wasn't video of the actual shots. There was only ATM video of them running away from the car. Mm -hmm. Um, the people who got shot, there was footage of them running away and there's like there, you can see like the cars pulling up in the distance, but it's all very like tiny and grainy and you can't tell really when the shots go off. So it was, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was very, sounds like, very, sounds like he's just uses his gun to deal with a variety of situations. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's the DA, the, you know, district attorneys did, they did a pretty good job of like threading the threading the story all together, um, mm-hmm. but it was I the part that disturbed me the most was just the, the deliberations. We we were very I felt like it was very limiting what we were allowed to do, and I understand why they have you know these protocols in place. Like the judge can't like talk to us, you know, directly. They have to call everybody in you know, including both mm. sides and the court stenographer and all this to like... So everyone is in the room whenever something is said. Uh, right, by the judge. Okay. Yes, but like while we were deliberating, they didn't have to just sit out there waiting. But like yeah. whenever we asked a question or requested evidence, they would call everyone together and we'd go back into the into the courtroom in the jury box and she would, you know, address our... Request, so we'd have to submit these requests. It was just very like old-fashioned. Like it felt like 
this could have been the same exact thing that would have happened in 1974. Like, it's just like... Yeah. I was just surprised that we couldn't get anything really on paper. Like, this was like three full weeks of like, you know, dozens of hours of testimony. Like a recap. And we, you know, we could request any readback, but it had to be just that. It had to be readback. And we asked like the court um, cop... Uh, the sergeant at arms, if mm-hmm. anybody had ever requested, you know, a, a, an actual printout of anybody's testimony. And he said, oh, yes, many people have requested that, but it's never been granted. I and wonder I why. Like, okay. And we asked, we're like, why is that? And he's like, you know, I, I could only surmise. I don't know exactly. You'd think if they don't do it, there would just be a rule against it. But it sounds like there's no rule against it. They just don't right. comply. Well, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, you know, I think, I I mean, I can, I can, off the top of my head, now that I'm even saying it out loud, I can think of a couple of issues. Like, one thing is, like, they would probably have to, it'd probably be logistically very difficult because they'd probably have to excerpt whatever testimony that was and then get like the official oh. copy and get both sides to sign off on the official copy, which means they, you know, both of the sides of the lawyers would have to sign off. And it's like, yeah. when, once you go through all that rigmarole, it's easier to just bring them all into a room and have the stenographer read it out. Read it. Like it's just easier for them and faster. And the other thing is like, I think they wanted, they don't want us to like get too bogged down. Like it could just turn into a big ordeal like i don't know every yeah. word just going over every word of of the testimony and because we also can't I just have electronics like they took our electronics we had to put all that into a including like smart watches like which was like yeah um which i understand um but you know we weren't allowed to research the case and uh right or be anywhere near or go anywhere near the locations talked about in the case. Oh uh, yeah, they did tell me that yeah. with mine too <clears throat> before it even started, which was interesting. Right? Yeah, that was. Um, yeah, I was. I was going to ask you because this thought kind of crossed my mind that like once I was finally chosen, even though I didn't get to go to the trial, I had this weird feeling of like it was a uh, contradicting like emotions of. Um. Wow, this is like super serious shit, right? Like, yeah, you're in your case especially, like, right. or in my case, it's a lawsuit. But like, you know, you are in court. Your life is literally on the line. Um, not like death penalty or anything, but like, you know, this is going to change the course of your life for right. sure, indefinitely. And um, so this is like the most important thing that is going to happen to you right now. And, you know, you have lawyers and judges and stenographers, even people who are professionals and super well-versed in the law and all of this stuff. And so it's like the whole process is full of seasoned professionals who know what's going on. Yeah. And, but when it comes down to it, carrying out justice in our system comes down to average citizens, right. common folk like us. And so here's where my, my conflicting feeling is. I felt like, holy shit, like 
no, like you should have, like you should hire a professional <laughs> to like right, right. decide whether or not this person broke the law. Like I don't, it should not come down to me who just walked in here. You know, I'm like annoyed that I have to be here in the first place. And then you're going to like leave it up to me to decide whether or not this fits our like legal code and he deserves to be punished or not. Like, like let a professional do that. And then I quickly, you know, realized on the other hand, like, well, if there were such a thing as like a professional juror, then you would quickly get, you know, a lot of bias or, you know, different problems that could kind of come about by, you know, if that were your job. But it's kind of funny how like superficially you feel like anything very important, uh, you know, should be handled with the utmost like professionalism and like you want the most experienced people to be the ones who determine if you're going to spend you know 50 years in jail or whatever um and to like leave it up to random rob or todd (laughs) just kind of blows my mind (laughs) yeah no i definitely had similar thoughts and uh yeah i mean the distinction they made a big deal about the distinction between uh our job as determiners of the truth or, you know, trying to get at the truth versus the judge's role as arbiter of the law and like interpreter of the law and, you know, and ultimately uh, determining of the actual sentence, you know, because we're not supposed to take sentencing into account at all. Like it was very clear, like, you know, you can't, that that should make no determination on your, uh, on your judgment of guilty or not guilty. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah, it it was, um, I think it was really emotion, more emotional for other juror, jury members when we did the verdict. Um, it was emotional for me too. I think we had heard all of this testimony and then we got, and we couldn't talk about it. Right. For like three weeks, we heard, you know, all this, all so much, so many hours of people talking about what happened and expert witnesses and, you know, all sorts of people and, and actual Mm -hmm. evidence. There's over a hundred and I think it was like 120 some pieces of evidence filed, um, Exhibits. Wow. Uh, and that was just on the prosecutor's side. There was other defense exhibits. Um, and <laughs> and then it was all of a sudden like, okay, now we're going to literally, practically lock you in this room. It's not technically locked, but we have like a guard outside the room. Like, <laughs> that yeah. you're going to sit here and you should only leave if it's an emergency and deliberate and we're going to give you lunch and you're going to be in this windowless tiny room from 9:30 until at least 5 um without electronics and with 11 people that you don't know and you're going to decide <laughs> like wow and and you're focusing real on and what's not like right you're focusing on the the validity of this evidence is worth yes, it this evidence right. isn't or it's inconclusive and that kind of stuff yeah and they're trusting i mean it it's like how how would you describe yourself as as a juror? Did you like I went in? Well, I, if I were to go into my uh, trial, the, it's a lawsuit, and I personally feel like 
America is, you know, a little lawsuit crazy. And unless it was like 110% obvious, I would probably lean on the side of, you know what, we don't need to sue this guy. Um, How did did you color your yeah. your perception I did was, you lean on like i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt or, or well what? i was you know in in true todd fashion i was very hung up on the legalese definitions of reasonable doubt <laughs> of course you know and yeah, i yeah. i was probably i i not probably i know that i requested more read back and and uh I bet you explanations did explanations of how to interpret the law than anyone else. Um <laughs> right. They're like who is this guy getting hung up on the details? Well, it's like, you know, <laughs> it's but I think I was very aware of what the DA, what the district attorney what their office was trying to communicate and the story they were trying to tell. And that definitely, you know, made made me skeptical of mm-hmm. it added a grain of salt to everything they did. Because it's like they have this case and it's, you know, the burden is on them, as they say. Like, yeah. Uh, it, 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 and it is. It's like they, you're innocent until, until or unless you're proved guilty. And the, the burden is on the people. They call it. Uh, which I don't even like that. I wish they would just call it the state because that's what it is. Um, yeah, I mean, it was hard. It was really hard because it, so much of it was circumstantial, the the evidence. And it's like, but it's like at the end of the day, the, the you know, our instructions, you have to separate like the sort of moral compass personal moral compass or personal like feelings about like how the law should be executed and then just like what is actually expected of the role of the juror you know and that was that was brought up up front like before we were selected they were you know like talked about that they talked about how like you know this um personal feelings of how of the process and you know what various elements of the case may may sway you one way or the other that have nothing to do with the actual evidence and the the technical definitions of what it means to be charged and found guilty of these crimes and right. yeah i that was that was a challenge and it wasn't, it was still, it was somewhat close, but I, you know, I, I think we, I think we did a good job. Um, I mean, we, we definitely deliberated for a long time and, uh, went all the way up until the last minute. I mean, if we had not reached a verdict, I think the judge might have asked us to come back in on Monday, but like we were supposed to have been done that Friday. And we finished at mm. like five thirty that Friday. <laughs> like it was like Oh wow. Yeah. It was yeah. Well, hey, I mean that's that's good. You don't want to rush those things. Of course, yeah, no. Like, and that yeah, was like I was saying. Yeah. This is guys, you know, even if he probably deserves it, it's still such a huge thing. So Absolutely. And for the victims and for you know, and luckily no one like died right. in this case, but like people got injured and they're 
their lives are now affected by that. Like they, you know, yeah, they got shot in the arm is, doesn't have full strength in his arm the way he did before and probably never will. He'll get to like 90% maybe. Right. Um, oh, did, did that guy testify? I feel yeah. like that'd be pretty obvious. Like, yes, he shot me. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, right. That's, but this was, you're talking about like video footage. This and whatnot, was the but if you had the case. actual people there in some uh, cases, yes. And so the easiest ones to reach a conclusion on were the ones that had, you know, more of the direct evidence. But this middle case was the one we were hung on because there wasn't direct, uh, like, video evidence of the actual incident. There were corroborated descriptions of the person, and the defendant definitely matched those descriptions, but mostly just with clothing because it was dark and they couldn't see the person's face. But then it's like there's all these other elements that like, it was like a whole lot of pieces that put together are, were beyond a reasonable doubt, but like, right. The sum total. Yeah. You have to look at it all together. And the fact that they found it, you know, that they recovered the gun two months later and his DNA was the major contributor. And it's like, but yeah, I was making up, a lot of alternative explanations that fellow jurors did not want to hear. <laughs> oh, yeah. I just, you know, and it was very interesting, my own, like, process. Like, I learned about myself, how I react to hmm. argumentation. Like, we were all, like, very cordial, but it did get heated. Like, um, right. and there was a lot of times where someone would bring up a point and in my neurotic technical brain, I would notice like an inference or an intuition that they were making bias, bias in some cases, but in some cases it's just literally, it's just almost like a semantics thing. Really in some cases it was very insignificant. Um, And I would sort of jump on that and, and my, way of communicating that I noticed that they made that inference or whatever was by offering an alternative explanation. And that was not very effective because it came off as like crazy conspiracy theories. <laughs> like it was uh, like, yeah. It was like, we know he, that two people saw him with the gun. And I was like, no, what if there were two people with a gun? <laughs> because there were two. Oh, right. Which, yeah. like, you know, like, but in the moment, like, that was, like, just like, oh, my gosh, you're just making up, like, crazy. Theoretical yeah, possibilities. Crazy theoretical, yeah, but yeah. what I really should, the argumentation that I was more effective once I kind of figured it out was, you know, do, is do we do we know that for sure like is the is the evidence conclusive? beyond a reasonable doubt is the evidence conclusive yeah that that it is that that we know two people saw him or was it one person who saw someone with a gun and then turn and ran and then another person who saw someone didn't see the gun right away and this is basically what it was he didn't see the gun right away he pushed him 
And then he saw the gun and then turned to run and got shot. Damn. And it's like, yeah, that's probably the same person. Like, yeah. Like, we determined Mm -hmm. that it's more likely than not the same person. But even if it wasn't, even if there was another shadowy figure that was very similar, like, it it didn't actually make a material difference as long as, you know, there was evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant fired the shots that went into the person's arm. And that that was that was proven beyond a reasonable doubt. But there was just all these like tiny pieces where I could totally see a less deliberative group of people just by by virtue of, you know, whoever they end up picking. If there was a group yeah. that just was not, you know, uh willing to really like talk it out this long, uh could they could definitely convict someone in a similar case where the evidence wasn't there. That it was just like they've been sold on it by the prosecutors. Because it's very mm-hmm. smooth, you know, in terms of like they how they presented the case. Like they presented the first and the third shootings, uh, one right after the other, and then they went to the second one. And it was all, it felt to me like they were very much trying to kind of blur the lines. Like the first one that they started with, which happened to be the first one chronologically, was the one that was the most damning. Like that was the one where it was like, where it was like you said, there was, there were two people who took the stand and said, that's the guy who shot the guy. Right. And there he is. And like. Like and, a Law and Order episode. <laughs> yeah, basically. Right. And then. In the third instance, but the second one that they presented, the the one where they recovered the gun, you know, then you had the DNA evidence and you did have some video, although one really crazy wrinkle in all of this is that there was some deleted video, which is like right out of like some crazy, you know. little obstruction. Show, yeah, I mean, and the guy that deleted the video was on the stand and that it was like, yeah, I was, I don't know. I was like... Man, that was crazy. But the but there was video, and you did see the actual shooting. Um, there was pieces yeah. that you couldn't see, but but you did see. Um, and so and then they were just like all of a sudden into the third one, and on the third one, they had a lot less concrete evidence and a lot more circumstantial evidence, and right, it was like. I was very skeptical at first because I'm like, I'm on to you. I see what you're doing. You're just like, uh-huh. kind of like, okay, now we know, now we know this, it's this guy's gun. And it's like, well, no. We know A and B, so therefore also C. And D and E and F, <laughs> right? Exactly. Like, yeah. it's like, it's like, right. And so we had to really break it down, but it was emotional. Did you, I, I don't want to, keep like trailing on forever about this right. but another kind of thing not necessarily about the the trial itself but um i've noticed this when uh at audible when we bring in people for research we bring in real life customers mm. to you know not at all related to us just we send out a survey and we bring them in and is it like a show focus them group sort of uh it's it's not a group because we oh, do it one-on-one but yeah, we'll have six people come in 
and we do an hour with each person. Wow. And uh, I mean, I could maybe in another podcast <laughs> explain more about how the um, design research works. But sure. the crazy takeaway that I have whenever this happens is, I mean, I don't know why it surprises me. It shouldn't. But I always feel a little surprised at just like how unique people are mm, because you go through your whole life. Obviously, we know about how social media has its own filter bubbles and you see, you know, news updates and stuff through your filter bubbles. But even our friends that we hang out with and the things that we talk about, just like, you know, this podcast, I'm, you know, sure there's certain themes or ways of looking at the world that every episode has across all of my friends. And then like when you invite some random person from a survey to come in and conduct research, like their perspective is, it's, it's nothing crazy, but it's just like the way that they look at something or the way they answer something is just so different. So fresh. It's like, Oh wow. Yeah. There's like this whole other world out there that I'm not experiencing. It's interesting. And I wonder, you know, like with a jury pool, uh, that's another type of scenario where it's like people from all walks of life and, you know, really different people. And then you got to sit in this room and like discuss stuff. Yes, uh, absolutely. And I had a similar experience, I think, you know, in terms of getting to know them and how they thought about everything. And what's crazy is like, even just from a social perspective, it was very interesting to me because like we had, you know, strict instructions not to discuss the case amongst ourselves or anybody else and, you know, not to research the case. And if you see anybody from, from the... You could discuss it with the jurors, right? Not until deliberations. That's the thing. You cannot, you can't talk about it uh, at all. With even the, so each day during yes. the trial, you don't get to go back to the room and be like, "All right, guys, no, let's that's let's the crazy recap." Thing. No, no, no. That's oh. the thing that's nuts. Is for three weeks we were just silent. We just were brought into this courtroom and we sat and we listened and we were brought out and we basically didn't have interactions besides that. And I was it, wow. it was interesting because of how long we were spent together. And I was thinking like, what? Like, and then we were also given strict instructions like you know, if we happen to see one of the, you know, attorneys in the hallway, like they know not to interact with us. Like, do not be offended if they don't say hi. Oh, like, yeah. They're not supposed to. They gave to. me that same right. exact line. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. um, yeah. And so in that setting, it was very interesting because there just wasn't much, there wasn't much reason to talk to these other people. Uh, so you, you have a shared experience right. over a course of, it sounds like, weeks. Yes. And it's a very, like, heavy experience, Definitely. too. Like, this is serious. Heavy, intimate, And you don't get to talk specific. or get to know exactly. each other until the, the final the, moment. Right, until the very end. And then they're like, okay, we're done presenting. Now here's a small windowless room, and we're going to give you some, like, uh, legal pads and one little packet of the summary of each count for the charges, but nothing else, like no list of the evidence, no, like, after hours and hours and hours of this, like, you just have to, anything you want, you can request on this little pad, on these on these sheets, and you guys go figure it out, and we'll bring you lunch at one. <laughs> like, oh my god, that's, that's insane. It is kind of crazy, like, when you think about it, and it's so, it, it was interesting because I literally didn't learn any 
names of any other juror the entire time. And it didn't matter. Like it was so, because we were so like, because we had that shared experience, like you said, and then we, we didn't have anything to talk about, like sitting outside the courtroom before we, before and after we went in, there wasn't really much exchanged there a little bit, but not much. And then inside, we obviously all had a job to do and we finally got a chance to talk about it. You know, it was, it was like, yeah. And so it was just like, we all knew exactly what we had to do. And so it was, it was very interesting. Um, the fact that on the one hand, I felt like I got very close with them in terms of, I felt like I had an intimate understanding of the way that they think and the way they see the world. Um, but on the other hand, I know nothing about them. Like it's like this strange, right. this strange dichotomy of like we left on the last day and it was so surreal. There were two, two jurors who I saw exchanging, uh, I, th- I think Instagram handles or something like kind of younger on the younger side. Um, but beyond that, like it was just, we said bye and everyone went their separate ways and I don't, you know, it's, uh, and we, it was, it was very kind of surreal. Uh, wow. And, but yeah, to go back to, you know, kind of the point you're bringing up, it was just like a random sample of right. the pop American population, and it, you know, and they were very, very deliberative in how, or deliberate, I should say, and how they chose the jurors, like the whole first day, took them a whole day to choose three people, and I was one of the three, and then the, uh, and then they had two more days of choosing people, just to get to the 12 plus the two alternates, and I felt really bad for the two alternates, because they sat through all of that stuff, and then didn't go into the deliberation room. So their whole experience right. was just, you have to sit here and listen to all of this and just, you know, in case somebody home. drops dead. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. In case, you know, one of us drops dead or gets really sick or goes crazy or whatever, refuses to come back, then you have to be, take their place. But as soon as we went into deliberations, like they, I guess they were like on call the first couple of days in case someone just like totally lost it or something. But, <laughs> but like, right. then they just never got to talk about it like they never and maybe i don't know well maybe they're podcasting about it who knows yeah true they probably are (laughs) clearly they clearly are but like i hope at least for their sake that the that the judge or someone in a position of authority told them when it was appropriate that they could talk to other people about it that's that's crazy uh i don't know many people who have actually been through the whole thing that's that's cool to hear yeah i i'm i feel like fortunate like i'm i'm glad that I got to do it. Even You've though, experienced justice. Right. And even though it took away like four weeks of my summer, basically. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, 40 bucks a day, nothing to scoff at, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like less than minimum wage by far. But uh, all, all this stuff makes you think of another friend i have such interesting friends um who is not you know not a trial lawyer or anything related to cases but he is a lawyer and uh, i know him from way way back uh, elementary school even wow. and uh he studied space law what 
That's I should do a thing. podcast episode with Adam you, about space. You law. have to. I can't believe he's yeah. not on the docket already. No pun intended. I, I uh, yeah, I, it just didn't occur to me. It's like, <laughs> man, that that'd be so interesting. Like, let's talk about that. You know, in in a, a quick like super short description, um, so we can wrap up our two hour episode. Um, right. <laughs> that's um. Basically, space law is along the lines of like a maritime law of okay. like, you know, when stuff happens outside of a country's borders, uh, how do we classify it? You know, if uh, we're launching these missions off to the moon, um, is the United States allowed to have like a little like a USA of the moon? And like this right. little like square footage is is American and the Russians aren't allowed to do any science experiments on this square foot because the Americans have it. Yeah. Um, Jurisdiction, you know, I'm sure, is a big deal. Right. If if Elon Musk achieves his mission of, of landing on Mars and building a base there, is that base an American base? Mm. Is it an Earth base? What what does it mean? What does possession mean when you're out when you're in outer space? Wow. So it's interesting. That could be. Yeah. Because some interesting stuff to talk about. Yeah, and I, I mean, I love to talk to you about music because yeah. you, you know, you're so versed in it, and I don't have much of an outlet of anyone else who knows a lot about music to talk to. Oh, right. Unless yeah. I get Alex Monroe to come back. Um, yeah, you should. His episodes but, are great. Uh, but we also talk about all kinds of yeah crazy random stuff. Yeah. So this is good. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad we can make it work. Uh, thanks for coming on again. I hope to have you back. Thanks for having me on. And oh, uh, uh, apologies about my audio in the last episode. If uh, that was hopefully it's better now. Hopefully it's yeah. better. We have got new setup, uh, and I it appears that it has all been recorded just fine. So hopefully we don't have to splice in any backup recordings. Uh, and yeah. kudos to you, Rob, you... for salvaging the. Uh, Thank you. I actually is... talked to someone about it. They said that they didn't even notice. They ah. thought it was it was great. Oh, well, that's that's great. I'm glad. Well, then, yeah. there you go. There you go. I shouldn't have said anything. I guess. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Edit yeah. that out. You just cut that out. That's the that audio out. was perfect, and I'd like to thank uh, Rob for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yes. Talk to you later. Bye. <laughs>